Hi there, I'm Travis, and this is the Why Is That Podcast. Welcome back to the Why Is That Podcast. I'm going to start today's episode by making a wild assumption. I'm going to guess that you are right-handed. I'm going to guess this because somewhere around 90% of the world's population is right-handed. This piece of information is important because if you had lived more than 400 years ago, you probably would have owned a sword, and you would have wielded that sword in your dominant right hand. If you ever had to travel, it would be natural to bring that sword with you for protection. While traveling down various rural roads, you would probably keep to the center, but every so often there would be some stranger headed in your direction coming up the road. As their horse or coach or just them walking drew near you, you would need to make a decision. How would you share the road? Would you scoot to the right and allow the stranger to pass you on your left, or would you claim the left-hand side of the road? In today's world, the answer is almost second nature to anyone who has a driver's license. It is a well-regulated issue, and the way that we pave our roads reinforces it. If you decide to drive on the wrong side of the road, then you will assuredly face heavy fines. So to answer my question, how would you share the road? It would probably depend on where you lived. In the United States and Canada, which represents my two largest markets for listeners, you would likely pass on the right. If instead you lived in the United Kingdom or Australia, my third and fourth largest markets, you would probably pass on the left. The prevailing cultural norms and the previously mentioned regulation on traffic direction would dictate such a response. These statistics are not perfect, but approximately 35% of the world population live in countries that drive on the left side of the road, and the other 163 countries in the world drive on the right. 400 years ago, that statistic was vastly different, and based on the information we have, almost the entire world would have passed on the left side of the road. Of course, that was in the era before motor vehicles, and in general, the stakes of driving on one side of the road or the other was more from the people you passed rather than from collisions. This is how the unwritten rule of passing on the left started. Remember that sword I mentioned? If you were to pass me on the left side of the street, and it turned out I had less than noble intentions, you could pull that sword and be in position to defend yourself due to your right-hand dominance. It is believed that this is where the custom started. I say believed because manufactured roads with stone-paved streets were first used in Ur in the Middle East in around the year 4000 BCE. Corduroyed roads in Glastonbury, England also around 4000 BCE, and brick paving in India around 3000 BCE. Then the evidence shows that wheeled vehicles were first hauled by draft animals around the year 3000 BCE. We do not have any road manuals from those days, so we have to make some assumptions. So we have to make some assumptions for how those ancient peoples would have crossed each other when they met each other on the road. The first regulation of side-of-the-road traffic comes from China. The Western Zhu Dynasty decreed in approximately the year 1100 BCE that the right side of the road is for men, the left side for women, and the center for carriages. This rule seems to be more concerned with protocol rather than collisions, and from my research I cannot find any information for how these men, women, and carriages past one another when traveling in opposite directions. So I'm only really mentioning this regulation to note its interesting status as the first road regulation. It is generally believed that the similarly ancient societies of the Greeks, Romans, and Egyptians all drove or passed on the left side of the road. Excavation of Roman stone quarries are the basis for this belief. The Romans used ox cart to transport the stone away from the quarry, Investigations that recently unearthed stone quarries, such as the one in Swindon, England, provide our insight. Excavators found that if they stood on the ancient road at the quarry and faced away, that the left side of the road was far more worn than the right side. 
This is important as the carts driving toward the quarry would be empty and those driving away would be full and therefore much heavier. So the heavier cart would result in more wear on the road. The conclusion then is that the left side traffic caused the indentation of wheels into the left side of the road, therefore the Romans drove on the left side of the road. This does not guarantee that the Romans drove on the left side of the road everywhere, but still it does give us some insight. I could not find specific examples for the Greeks and Egyptians. A book that I read indicated that they did, but they did not provide a source. So while I have no reason to distrust the source, I can also cannot guarantee it with 100% certainty. I always try to find corroborating evidence so I do not become a mouthpiece for misinformation. In addition to the source about the Greeks and Egyptians, I also read on a few forums and answer pages online that the Roman military specifically marched down the left side of the road and that when they built roads, they built them specifically wide enough for two legions to pass one another on the road without halting to let the other pass. This sounds fascinating, but the military manuals that I have read did not seem to mention such a policy. It is entirely possible that I just missed the examples, and if you do have examples, I would love to read them. But one thing that I can guarantee you is that if I ever cannot find a reliable source for something I present in this podcast, I will be sure to make you aware. The last thing I want to do is to mislead you. One of the consequences of the collapse of the Western Roman Empire in the 5th century was the degradation of the road system, and those roads that were still active became more dangerous. In general, this resulted in less travel throughout Europe and North Africa. As the successor kingdoms of the Roman Empire rose and replaced the former Roman provinces with local rule, the general makeup of the people transformed to match their new reality. In many ways, the world grew smaller for the average individual. Though it could also be argued that the smaller world had been started by the Emperor Diocletian, but that is a whole other discussion for a different time. The result was that long-distance travel grew less common. Those who did travel were generally mounted knights or merchants. Both of these classes of people would fall into the category where they would pass on the left due to the ability to defend oneself that we already discussed. This would carry over to the carriage driver transporting civilians, and soon driving on the left side of the road became the unwritten rule of the road. A fun reference to this rule occurred in the year 1300 from Pope Boniface VIII. The year 1300, also known as the Holy Year in Western-slash-Roman Catholic Christianity, served as the first jubilee. A jubilee is a special year of remission of sins and universal pardon if certain conditions are fulfilled. The most important requirement is typically a pilgrimage. For this tradition of jubilees, the pilgrimage site is typically the city of Rome. Pope Boniface VIII created this event vaguely based on a few passages in the Bible. He announced the holy year in his papal bull, Antiquorum Habit Fida Relation, which was published on February 22, 1300. In this declaration, he bid the Christians to journey to Rome for this extraordinary jubilee. Well, he did not say jubilee, but that is what he meant. He then repeated the famous saying that all roads lead to Rome, and he followed the phrase up with the line, so keep to the left. The Jubilee is even mentioned in Dante Alighieri's Divine Comedy, but we should note that Dante was not a fan of this pope, and his work basically says that Pope Boniface VIII is destined to spend his afterlife in the eighth circle of hell in the Inferno. But that is also a story for another time. This story about the pope was just supposed to be a fun anecdote for how people on the road were supposed to keep left. As the years wore on, coaches became one of the more common transportation methods, A coach is pulled by draft animals and driven by a coachman. The coachman would sit on the front of the coach in an elevated position above where the animals, often horses, were attached. The position of the driver made it common for the driver to slide to the right side of his seat, 
The reason that was common is that the coachman used a whip to drive the animals forward. As the average coachman was right-handed, they wanted to have free range of their whip. If they sat on the left or in the middle of their seat, then the coach would get in the way of their whipping animals. Similarly to modern-day vehicles, the coaches had blind spots for the driver. A huge blind spot for these drivers sitting on the right was the whole left side of the vehicle. So this state of affairs reinforced passing on the left so that when two large coaches passed one another, the two drivers could more easily ensure that they did not crash into one another based on their position on their seats. Coaches were exceptionally popular in England, and this popularity will prove to be one of the main reasons the custom of driving on the left grew so powerful and popular in today's United Kingdom. A notable exception to the left side rule seems to be the joust. If you are like me and you have been to renaissance festivals and medieval times or have seen movies like A Knight's Tale or Cable Guy or, let's be honest, we've all seen Game of Thrones, then you are at least familiar with what jousting looks like. In the early days of jousting, they did not use the tilt, but as the sport developed, a wooden tilt ran down the center to keep the horses apart. Two knights then would run down on either side of the tilt, toward one each other, and attempt to knock one another off their horses with a lance. Most knights were right-handed, so they held the lance in their right hand and a shield in their left. The proper technique would then be to angle the lance across the horse to strike the opponent's shield. Therefore, in jousting, each knight would be on the right side of the list as they charge at their opponents. This would include tournament jousting as in a real battle anything goes. As far as we can tell, the joust custom of passing on the right did not spark any sort of popularity in the general public. The first written law, at least in the English common law tradition, that mentions the proper side of the road to drive down was passed in London in 1756. Prior to that year, it had always been custom to drive on the left side of the road, but the increase in horse traffic related to the growing city of London forced Parliament to make the custom established law. The 1756 law forced traffic to keep left when on the London Bridge or face a fine of 20 shillings. The British Highway Act of 1835 codified the keep left rule for carriage meeting any other carriage or horse traffic on a highway, and that rule has stuck ever since. My favorite piece of that Highway Act, though, is that the playing of soccer on public highways was punished with a maximum penalty of 40 shillings, although the Act actually called it football, but, you know. Motor vehicles is one of the main reasons that side-of-the-road traffic is so important in today's world and why driving regulations are so stringently enforced. We have found so far in this episode that by and large the world has an ancient tradition of passing on the left, and we have discovered why the British use the left side of the road. So why is it that in today's world, over half the population drives on the right side of the road, and that the majority of roads are designed for right-side traffic? That is the answer that today's episode is dedicated to answering. Before researching this and finding the answer, my first thought was that maybe it has been proven to be safer to drive on the right side of the road. However, studies on the subject have not been conclusive. In fact, a 2009 study by Christian Forch and Helmut Steinmetz of Johann Wolfgang Goethe University in Germany actually showed that left-side traffic might be safer among aging populations due to the preeminence of humans to be right-eye dominant. This article, Left-Sided Traffic Directionality May Be Safer Rule of the Road for Aging Populations, published in Medical Hypotheses, did hold that in neurologically healthy traffic participants, side of traffic has little to no influence on traffic safety. So unfortunately, my first theory was wholly incorrect, and it doesn't really matter what side of the road that we drive on in terms of safety, as long as, you know, everyone does it. 
the journal Popular Science Monthly attempted to tackle the question for why the United States drives on the right side of the road way back in January of 1935. The article points out that the early colonists continued to follow the British example of driving on the left side of the road when they first founded their colonies in America. It was around the time of the coachman I mentioned earlier that the traditional rule of driving on the left side of the road began to change. The less expensive alternative to a coachman was a driver who rode in the postalon position. This position differed as the coachman rode on the coach and directed it from up high and behind the horses. The postaloner instead rode the front left animal and guided the vehicle down the road from there. The reason for this positioning was the same as the coachman, only in reverse. As the postaloner was in the front, he needed the other animals on his right side in order to have access to all the animals he was leading. As the postalon was on the left lead animal, it was common to pass one another on the right so that the guides could closely watch the distance between vehicles to ensure no collisions occurred. The postalon guide also became the preferred method throughout much of Europe, and slowly but surely, the unwritten rule of passing on the left side was replaced. Did you ever play the game The Oregon Trail while you were growing up? I remember playing it during computer lab in school. It was produced by the Minnesota Educational Computing Consortium in the 1970s and became a popular game throughout the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. If you are unfamiliar, the game had the goal of teaching school children about the harsh realities of pioneer life, and it allowed the player to control the wagon that was traveling from Independence, Missouri to Oregon's Willamette Valley via a covered wagon in the year 1848. It's a great game and is partially responsible for my love of history. I also loved Where in Time is Carmen Sandiego, but that is not really relevant to today's episode. The reason I bring up the Oregon Trail is those covered wagons that each player controlled. I wanted to provide you with an image in your head of a common vehicle type in America during the 19th century. The real Oregon Trail first started to be developed by fur traders in the year 1811, but by the mid-1830s, and especially during the years of 1846 to 1869, settlers and pioneers started to use the trail to move out west. It is estimated that around 400,000 settlers, farmers, miners, ranchers, business owners, and their families used the Oregon Trail in those years. The most common transport vehicles for those settlers were the covered wagon of the game. The Conestoga wagon and the Studebaker were sometimes used, but they were often too heavy to be as effective as the simple covered wagon. We will get back to the Conestoga in a minute. The most distinctive piece of these wagons is that they were covered. They were covered and had no seat for a coachman. This meant that the individual who guided the oxen or mules or horses down the trail did not do so from an elevated seat behind the animals. Instead, the guide took a similar tack to the postaloner and did so from the front. This meant that these covered wagons that settled America were driven on the right side of the road. These wagons carried hundreds of pounds of various items, and in certain areas of the trail, the wheels would dig into the ground and leave grooves in the ground in which those who took the trail afterwards would have to follow. Modern highways such as Interstate 80 and 84 follow the same course as the old Oregon Trail and help to create the tradition of driving on the right side of the road. This helps explain why the Old West changed to the right side of the road, but as I mentioned, the early colonists continued the British tradition of driving on the left side of the road. So, how did the tradition begin in the East? It is a largely similar story and even includes the same type of wagon, in this case the Conestoga wagon. The Conestoga wagon is basically a heavier and more durable version of the covered wagons we just discussed. 
They could load up to six tons and were used to transport items all over the eastern United States and Canada. These Conestoga wagons were far too heavy to use on the prairies, which is why the use remained in the east. It even had the ability to cross rivers and streams. The first verified mention of the Conestoga wagon was on December 31, 1717, and the wagons were named after the Conestoga River in Pennsylvania. After the Revolutionary War, the Conestoga wagon was used to open trade between Pittsburgh and Ohio. The wagon was the primary overland cargo vehicle over the Appalachian Mountains until the development of the railroad. An individual was used to drive the draft animals that pulled the Conestoga wagon. This individual was known as a teamster. As with the covered wagon, the driver did not sit inside the Conestoga wagon. Instead, the teamster walked beside the wagon, drove what was known as the wheel horse, or sat on the lazy board. The wagons were built with a handbrake on the left side of the wagon. The teamster had to remain near this brake in case of emergency, and so would stay on the left side of the wagon, and therefore the safest way to pass other wagons was on the right to make sure they did not crash. The Conestoga wagon and the teamster who drove them are generally given credit for beginning the custom of driving on the right side of the road. As mentioned, these Conestoga wagons carried up to six tons of items, so once they decided which side of the road to drive on, a regular vehicle did not really have a choice but to follow its example. Pennsylvania was the first to make right-side driving a state law, with legislation adopted in the year 1792 that required all traffic to travel on the right-hand side of the Lancaster to Philadelphia Turnpike. In 1804, the state of New York made it law for all public highways, and by the outbreak of the Civil War, it became the law of the land in every state. Canada followed suit in the year 1812, although that was not uniform. Newfoundland did not change the right side until the year 1947, but technically Newfoundland was not a part of Canada until 1949. So that gives you an origin of the practice in the United States and Canada. Once motor vehicles and their roadways were created, it only made sense to continue the tradition. In order to understand how the practice spread throughout the rest of the world, we would first need to travel over to France. In France, the custom was to drive on the left side of the road, but to walk on the right. This was a pretty common sense move as even today when I walk down a street without a sidewalk, I prefer to walk against traffic so that I can see any fast approaching traffic rather than having cars pass close by from behind. The French Revolution, as it did everything else, decided to turn the practice of flow of traffic on its head. France had a long tradition in which the poor walked on the right side of the road and provided proper deference to the left-keeping nobility who rode in carriages with drivers seated on benches. After the Declaration of the Rights of Man and of the Citizen of 1789, which was drafted by Lafayette, Thomas Jefferson, and Honoré Merbeau, it was not a good idea to stand out from the poor who were rising in this new French Republic. In a show of solidarity with the poor, the nobles of France began to keep to the right. Well, show solidarity, or, you know, attempt to blend in. I'll let you decide. Robespierre's administration chose to codify this change in attitude and introduced a law that required all travelers in Paris to keep to the right side of the road. After Napoleon was in charge, he extended the keep-right practice to his heavy military vehicles. Napoleon's reasons for this extension, though, was entirely practical. Those heavy military vehicles were driven by the postillon guides we discussed earlier. Therefore, right-side driving was the safest method for maneuvering these vehicles. Once the large military vehicles and the Napoleon regime had made this change, it left the common people and their lighter vehicles with no choice but to follow suit and keep to the right. As Napoleon conquered Europe, he installed his own rules in each of his new territories. This caused each new area to adopt his right-hand traffic model. 
it became a little mark of pride for the countries that continued to drive on the left as a mark of having resisted or avoided Napoleon's onslaughts during the Napoleonic Wars. Back in France, it was appropriately in Napoleon's administration, specifically Louis-Napoleon in 1852, who passed a decree that made it compulsory to keep to the right while passing throughout all of France. The French then highly impressed the world at large during World War I with their traffic control regulations that managed troop movements into a remarkably smooth-running operation. This was widely reported in the news media of its day and helped to strengthen the commitment of many administrations throughout the world to institute formal traffic regulations. It also led to several left-side countries changing to the right over the decade following the First World War. The final large character in our story that we must discuss is none other than Adolf Hitler. Hitler was born in Austria in the year 1889. Austria has a rather interesting history in terms of left-first-right-hand side driving. Approximately half of the country drove on the left side and the other half drove on the right. Approximately half of the country drove on the left side and the other half drove on the right at the time of Hitler's birth. This could create a rather dangerous transportation system as it was not always easy to determine the correct side to drive on at any particular point. In 1938, when Hitler came to power, one of his lesser talked about initiatives was a general traffic engineering realignment exercise. This saw the commitment to driving on the right side of the road throughout Germany and Austria. In 1939, he instituted similar policies in Czechoslovakia and Hungary. Similar to Napoleon, as Hitler conquered territory throughout World War II, he also instituted right-side driving. At the same time, Mussolini of Italy followed Hitler's lead and forced all of the Italian cities to adopt right-hand driving. This is how many of the most influential countries came to drive on the right-hand side of the road. After World War II, automobiles became more popular for the common person and car ownership percentages began to increase. The increased speeds of automobiles over horse, oxen, or mule pulled vehicles made it more imperative to have universal rules governing the side of the road to drive on as drivers could not just plod down the center of the road until they came across the rare other driver. Since the end of World War II, the drift towards right side of the road has been driven by safety concerns. This is why you will notice that almost all the countries who drive on the left are islands or only border other countries that also drive on the left. It became a dangerous proposition to switch at the borders so countries chose a more standard system. So that gives you the reason why it is that we drive on the side of the road that we do. A real quick summary. In the days of horseback riding and walking, humans passed on the left just in case a sword had to be drawn. After coach vehicles became popular, the tradition continued as the coachman sat on the vehicle above the horses and whipped them with his right hand. In order to pass other vehicles based on positioning of the coachman, these coaches continued to pass on the left. This is where the British custom of driving on the left came from, and is largely the reason that the former British colonies drive on the left. We did not directly address it, but those two reasons are also the reason the Japanese drive on the left, but it was the samurai rather than the knights. The postalon driving and wagon driving techniques became popular in the Americas and in France. This led to a switch to right-hand passing and driving. As the United States expanded and grew imperialistic, it spread the right-hand traffic model. The French, due to political and practical reasons, switched to right-hand driving, then spread the practice during the Napoleonic Wars. Adolf Hitler and the Germans further spread the rule of right-hand driving. Then, after World War II, mainland locations throughout the world recognized the dangers of having opposing traffic systems meet at the border and standardized to driving on the right side of the road. So there you have it, the reason behind the side of the road traffic systems of the world. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, I would like to encourage you to subscribe using your favorite podcast app, including Acast, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Podbean, and anywhere else podcasts are available. You can find the show on Facebook or Twitter at WhyIsThatPod, online at whyisthatpodcast.blogspot.com, or by emailing whyisthatpod at gmail.com. Finally, if you are feeling generous, I would appreciate a rating on iTunes, or even better, if you told a friend to check out the show. Sources for today's episode include Ways of the World, A History of the World's Roads and the Vehicles that Use Them by M.G. Lay, On the Right Side of the Road by Richard F. Weingroff, Left is Right on the Road by Mick Hamer, worldstands.eu, lordsandladies.org, and a few others. Thank you so much for listening to the Why Is That podcast. Have a great week. Cheers.